I'm gonna take us to John chapter 15, verses one through 11. Uh, this is the scripture that we are staying in for the next few weeks, no pun intended. Um, some of you got that, some of you didn't. Man, jokes are so much better live. Okay, um, anyways, uh, this is the scripture that we are, uh, has been anchoring and will continue to anchor this series that we are calling Stay. John chapter 15, verses one through 11 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. This is what I want us to hear today and, 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 and this is where we're really gonna station ourselves today. Jesus says this in verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. I'm gonna say that one more time. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Today as we continue on in our series, Stay, I wanna speak to you from the subject, never mind Green Day and 10 things I hate about you. (laughs) Never mind Green Day and 10 things I hate about you. You, will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we need your word, not my words, your word. It is your word that brings life, it is your word that brings hope, it's your word that brings joy, it's your word that brings peace. So speak to us now, teach us now. God, would you move in us right now? And as we focus this time and this moment on your word, I pray that it would come alive in such a way that it would bring new life, that it would bring change, and that we would walk away from this moment different than how we came in. So we love you, we worship you, we give you this time. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, if you're at home, shout amen with us, amen and amen. Never mind Green Day and 10 Things I Hate About You. I am a child of the 90s. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm letting you know where, where I grew. I did my growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. I graduated high school. In, class of 2000 is when I graduated. Y2K, class of 2000 is when I, when I graduated high school. And look, we're still okay, uh, kind of. So uh, we made it. And uh, I, I was thinking back on my teenage years. Can we just be honest? Teenage years are weird. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Teenagers, you're watching today. Come on, the well youth, you're watching today. Teenage, teenage moments, teenage years, they, they are weird. But I was thinking back on my teenage years the other day, and I was remembering some of the things that defined my teenage years. Um, I remember when I first got my, one of my first CDs, was a CD by this little tiny band, they didn't really go anywhere, called Nirvana. And um, just a small gig, just a small gig. Uh, If you've heard of Nirvana before, you know what I'm talking about. One of the first albums that came out was this album called Nevermind. And one of the songs that they did was a song called Smells Like Teen Spirit. It defined an entire generation. I love that song. Even now, if it comes on during my workout, I get hyped. I wanna pull out Jenko jeans and a Stussy T-shirt. Right? And I just need to clarify something right now because it'll help my heart. Uh, children of the 90s, we were the first to wear Doc Martens, okay? Y'all bringing them back right now, but we were the original OGs when it came to Docs, okay? I just want to put that out there. But I remember when that album first came out, my mom hated that I had this album, that I would listen to such music. But if you, if you know what I'm talking about, Nirvana uh, really helped solidify an entire genre of music that we now called grunge. And so teenagers everywhere, and myself included, wanted to, it was the uprise of garage bands. I was in one. 
right? It was the uprise of flannel and holy jeans that we've brought back again. <laughs> it was an identifier, if you will. Then this little band called Green Day came out and all kinds of other punk rock bands and Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam. And, and if you're watching right now, you don't know any of those bands, um, we'll have a conversation after this service because um, I, I need to educate you. But these, these bands identified an entire generation. They created an identity for an entire generation. Then there was this movie, my, my wife and I, when we were dating, we would watch this movie all the time. It was called 10 Things I Hate About You. And uh, it had Heath Ledger in it as he was coming onto the scene as, as an actor. And, and I remember watching this movie mainly because it was filmed in Seattle and that was where we were living at the time. And so many of the places that, that they would film this movie we had been to and, and would go to and would frequent. And this movie, the whole premise of the movie was young teenage love. How many of you know like those movies and it's these teenagers and they love each other and it's all, they're Twitter pated, you know, like <laughs> this is young love and, and it's these type of movies that are, are moving through and showing you the angst of teenage life. And what I was thinking about the other day is that, especially in my teenage years, I found that moment to be a moment of such identity crisis. Come on, somebody. It was in that moment through, these, through this music and through these movies and through all of these external sources that I would start to begin the definition of who I believed that I was at that moment. I would try new things. I would do stupid things and some smart things and some things that just didn't even make sense as a whole. Right? Never mind Green Day and 10 Things I Hate About You. The problem is, is that for many of us, if we're honest, we are still going through the identity crisis. The same one that we were going through as teenagers, the only difference is, is that we have more responsibilities and a better car. Some of us. And I think for some of us, especially right now, as everything has changed, it's caused us to question who we are because the things that we've allowed to define much of our lives and our identity has been stripped away, canceled, or shuttered in. Come on. And for many of us in moments like this, hard moments, moments that press you and moments that, that push you and moments that don't make sense, when our identity is not intact, these things have a tendency to rock our world. And so Jesus makes a qualifying statement in this mashal. We talked about this idea last week. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches and you can do nothing without me. Jesus makes one of the most outlandish statements in scripture. He says that the sole resting identity of who you are is only found in me. And all the other things that we have a tendency to use to define us mean nothing if we first and foremost do not understand who we are as a branch connected to the vine. And his name is Jesus. Who am I? Come on, how many of you have asked that question before? Who am I? Some of us are asking that question right now. Who am I? A question that seems to sit at the front of our minds on a regular basis. Psychology would tell us that we typically answer this profound and existential question by assessing, and I quote, the characteristics, preferences, goals, and behavior patterns we associate with ourselves. Group stereotypes include organized information about social positions and gender and race and age and class. Because the social positions we occupy have immediate consequences for our sense of self, 
group stereotypes especially play a major part in the process of identification. So that's the psychological definition. As well, a publication in Psychology Today would tell us this, that few people choose their identities. Instead, they simply internalize the values of their parents or the dominant cultures, the pursuit of materialism and power and appearance, and sadly, these values may not even be aligned with one's authentic self, and they create an unfilling and unfulfilling life. Hear, hear this, this is not even Bible speaking, this is just psychology today. In contrast, fulfilled people are able to live a life true to their values and pursue meaningful goals. Lack of a coherent sense of identity will lead to uncertainty about what one wants to do or be in life. Let me put it like this. What we build our identity with and from will will determine how well we stand in life. The problem that we face is that a lot of us have built our identity from a pile of broken pieces, half-truths, cultural projections, rogue words, and wrong motives, and empty hearts. Paul deals with this reality in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, when he talks about being taken captive through empty deceit. I want you to hear this piece of scripture and then relate it, like hear it in the context of what we're talking about, because many of us have built our identity from this place. Watch what he says. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Now watch what he says. And you have been filled by him. Woo! Who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Can I just preach to you for a second? That means that God in you says what you need to know about you. And no word around you or outside of you can define you because it does not have authority. He's over that authority. He's over every ruler. And so Paul says, listen, so many of us have allowed our identity to be shaped by deceit. Human tradition, elements of the world rather than Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. And I think that's the truth for many of us today. Our identity is the product of being taken captive by empty deceit. I want you to wrestle with that today. That for many of us, the very foundation of who we are is simply the product of a lie. Rather than the truth that is found in Christ. An identity that is founded and fixed in Christ is one that is more secure, solid, and strengthened for the winds of life that are constantly trying to blow us around in any and every direction. So when Jesus says, abide in me, when he says, stay, he's giving us the recipe for our identity. When he says, attach to me, connect to me, allow yourself to be a branch that is connected to this vine and I will give you everything that you need so that you will stand on a secure and sure foundation. You do not need to be confused about this. You do not need to wander around about this. You do not need Green Day or Nirvana or a movie to tell you who you are. You just need to know that you are the branch, I am the vine and you have everything you need in me. I believe one of the 
single greatest issues facing our generation right now. Those of us breathing, <laughs> right? Breathing six feet apart. <laughs> I actually think that one of the greatest issues that we are facing right now in this generation is an identity issue. It's an identity issue problem. It's not that we are bad, it's that we are broken. And so many of the bad decisions that we make, the fear that we feel, the insecurity that we experience, the purposeness that we wrestle with and the brokenness that we know is due to an identity that has not been founded on the truth of the gospel and the love of Jesus. And so we're running around looking for all these options, trying to build our life, trying to kind of come to some semblance of who I am. And, and we're asking, we're going from relationship to relationship, not needing a relationship, but rather needing somebody to tell us who we are. I mean, think about that for a second. Many of us who have pursued so many relationships is not because we need a relationship, it's because we are deficient in identity and so we're looking for someone or something to tell us who we are and it looks like this, please tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. I'll do anything if you can just tell me who I am. And the world preys on our identity issues. People prey on our identity issues. Addiction preys on identity issues. Fear preys on identity issues. But when I know who I am, when I know whose I am, when I know that I'm a branch connected to the vine, I don't need anybody to tell me who I am because I know who I am. It's an identity issue. When I'm connected to the vine, check this out then my identity is fixed like a branch. When I am connected to the vine, then my identity is fixed like a branch. Come on, anybody with me online today? Yeah, you're hearing this today. So our identity, when shaped and solidified in Christ, is the product of very intentional moments in our faith journey. A fixed identity is one that is developed through abiding in Christ, connection, I want everybody to hear that today. This is about connection. So last week we looked at one angle of what it means to abide. Today we're looking at another angle of what it means to abide or stay, and that is being in connection with Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the truth is, is that a branch is only a branch if it's connected to something. Come on, somebody. Because if a branch is not connected to something, it's just a stick. I know, that was deep. We've been in our backyard a lot during quarantine. <laughs> a fixed identity is one that is developed through abiding in Christ, connection to Jesus. So today, I want to take a look at this connection issue. What it looks like to be connected to Christ and, and what it creates in our lives as he shapes our identity. All right, so I wanna look at what connection creates with this idea of ident identity in our life, how, how connection shapes our identity. Here's the first thing that I need us to, to understand today. Connection creates the space for correction. Connection creates the space for Correction, can we go deep today? Can we, can, we, can we do some work today in this COVID moment online church? Can we do some work in our, in our hearts today? Connection creates the space for correction. Hebrews chapter 12, seven through 13. Endure suffering as discipline, colon. 
God is dealing with you as sons and daughters. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? Now, we're gonna hate the scripture, okay? For some of us, it's gonna bother us because of some of the languaging that he's gonna use. He says, but if you are without discipline, which we all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected him. This is where for some of us, we bounce. Because we're like, no, actually I didn't respect my father. And the reason that so many of us struggle with correction is because the correction that was brought in an earthly reality and a fatherly reality was one that we reject wholeheartedly because it was not healthy nor God-centered. And so we apply the wrongs and the situations that we experience as children and as young people, and we apply that to God, but God is a good, good father. And so the discipline that he actually brings, the correction that he actually brings in our life is positive in nature. For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. So beautiful. Verse 11, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, duh. But painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated. I want you to hear this language because we're going to chime in on it. For what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Now, I want you to hear that. This is a very important part of this scripture because for a lot of us, we take correction simply in the light of bad versus good. I wanna look at it from a different angle today. I wanna look at correction as that which has been broken and needing to be fixed. So many of us look at the scripture and we go, we think just sin. <clears throat> and so God's dealing with our, our badness, if I can use that word today. This is actually something totally different. I want you to, I want you to hear this. Connection corrects the broken and out of place areas of our life that impact our identity. Connection corrects the broken and out of place areas of our life that impact our identity. In other words, connection, or excuse me, correction is a necessary part of identity formation. Come on, you're with me online today. It's a necessary part of identity formation. The problem is that we've made the term and the idea of correction negative. When the truth is that correction is such a positive and beautiful part of our relationship with Jesus. I remember breaking my ankle uh, as a kid playing soccer. Would have been about fifth or sixth grade. We're in PE and we're playing soccer indoors that day and I remember colliding with my PE teacher who was playing the game with us and, and we kicked the ball at the same time and so when we kicked, I had my foot down like this and he kicked the ball at the same time and my ankle snapped, pop, broke. And it stayed in this position. It stayed stuck in the position that it had been broken. And so I remember going to the hospital and when we got into the hospital, I remember the doctor looking at me in that moment and saying, hey Jason, here, here's, the, here's the reality, I need, you to, I need you to work with me on this because if we're gonna see this heal appropriately, I need to re-break it again. I need to, in order to correct it, 
I need to break it. In order to correct it, there's gonna be some pain because if you want this to heal appropriately, if you wanna be able to stand on this appropriately, then I need to do some work that's gonna feel hard in the moment, but you're gonna be able to stand on it and you're gonna be able to use it in the future. And we need to understand today that the correction that God brings to our life is not to hurt us, but rather is to heal us. So he corrects things and he moves things into place in the areas of our identity that limp and hurt and don't allow us to put weight on it. He moves it and shifts it and then we stand. Sorry, I'm, I'm really excited about this message today because I believe that there's freedom that is taking place right now in people's lives because we have been standing on a broken identity. We have been limping our way through this life because things were broken and left there and they were not fixed and God's healing hand wants to correct right now. He wants to move right now. He wants to bundle it up right now so that in two weeks, in four months, in five years, you can stand and know that you are secure because you are a branch that is connected to the vine. Connection, or excuse me, correction can only take place when we admit that there is brokenness. And the only place that brokenness is taken care of is in connection. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is near. Watch who he's near to. He's near to the perfect and the people that have it all together. Nope, <laughs> wrong, uh-uh. he's near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are upright and everything is going great in their lives. No, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147 verse three, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. I wanna read something, a quote from C.S. Lewis that I, came across the other day and it brought me to my knees. And I think this is for many of us right now. Those of us that are making this service happen in this room and those of you who are watching today, I want you to hear this. C.S. Lewis put it this way, when I invited Jesus into my life, I thought he was gonna put up some wallpaper and hang a few pictures. But he started knocking out walls and adding rooms. I said, I was expecting a nice cottage, but he said, I'm making a palace in which to live. Jesus corrects brokenness. And connection creates the space for this correction. Number two, the second truth I want us to hear today is this, is that connection cultivates the strength for calling. Connection cultivates the strength for calling. Colossians chapter 1, 25 through 29. Lots of scripture. I want you to know this is not my opinion. This is what the Bible says. I've become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Watch this, verse 29. I labor for this, striving with his strength that so powerfully works in me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. 
as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. See, part of our identity, at least a healthy one, is the sense that we are made and created for more than average. You've been created for more than average. And I'm, if I'm honest with you, most of my report cards throughout my schooling career told me otherwise. <laughs> like you're going to be a C pastor at best. <laughs> and I don't know if you're like me, but there's so many moments in life where I find myself laying there in bed at night looking up at the ceiling and, and thinking to myself, is, is this it? I, I, am I it? Am I where I need to be? Is it, is it, am I just average? Am I adding up? Am I shrinking back? God, am I worth anything? Come on, can we talk real today in church? I think so many times people think that pastors, we have it all together and, and, and our minds are working right all the time. Listen, if I'm real with you, there are so many times where I look in the mirror and I doubt everything that I see. I doubt everything that I, that I know. There's so many times I'll walk away from moments like this and I'll get into my head. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You get into your head and, did I say that right? Did I do that right? Will they like me? Will they hate me? Will they, will they, will they, will they? Why? Because I'm still fighting the identity crisis in me. I'm still hearing smells like teen spirit in the background. There's still these things in me that have yet to be adjusted and I have to find myself once again a branch connected to Divine, why? Because the strength for my calling is created not in my independence, but in my connectedness. So part of our identity, at least a healthy one, is the sense that we are made and created for more than average. The Bible tells us that we are his workmanship. And to me, workmanship is so much more than average. Right? So much more than average. And the problem is that most of us have settled for the idea that we are more of an afterthought than we are his workmanship. Come on, that will tweet today. You can hashtag that. Many of us think of ourselves more as an afterthought than his workmanship. More of us see ourselves as the product of some cosmic sneeze rather than God taking time and energy and effort to labor over us and define us with his hand of grace and pour mercy and love and hope and joy into who we are. You're his workmanship. If you need to hear that today, if you are sitting there alone in your room today, if I can just shout at you for a second, you are his workmanship. You are his beautiful creation. He's got such a plan and such a purpose for your life. That's why I shout. Because if you can't hear it, I will make sure you can. To be called or set apart means that we have a special and integral part to play in God's redemptive plan and purpose in this generation. Yet few of us engage it because our identity has not been formed in and through Jesus and therefore we do not have nor retain the strength necessary to pursue or step into it. I think for many of us the reason that we, we hesitate 
and we tend not to step into what God has for us is not because we're insanely fearful, but rather, I think if we're honest, many of us assess the fact that I don't know if I've got the strength to keep on doing it. And that's because we have an identity that's been shaped and formed by everything else besides Jesus. We have an identity that's not a branch identity, it's an independent identity. It's a cultural identity. It's what he said, or it's what she said, or it's what they said, or it's the degree I didn't get, or the degree I did get, or the promotion I didn't get, or the promotion I did get. It's the size of my bank account. It's the niceness of my car. It's the looks that I have or I don't have. It's the weight that I carry or I do not carry. Come on, can we talk real life in church today? These are the things that we allow to define us, and Jesus says, just be a branch. Just be a branch. Where are all my branch people at? <laughs> Just be a branch. Calling, and let's be clear, I wanna be clear about this. Calling is so much more than something you and I do. That's the other thing that we've done to it is we've defined it simply as a doing when really the Bible talks about it as a being. See, my son, is my son not because of what he does. Think about this. Could you imagine if you were a fly on the wall in my home and my son ran up to me and he said, Dad, Dad, what must I do today to be your son? How many of you would just like all of a sudden be saddened in that moment? And I said, today, son, you need to do the dishes, you need to wash my car, You need to read for four hours today. You need to get three A's and a B on your homeschool testing, and you need to make sure that I am well pleased in you. Then you are my son. If you were a fly on the wall in that minute, you'd be like, I'm out. I'm out. Why? Because I'm simply assessing his sonship according to his doing. The problem is is that his sonship has nothing to do with his doing. It has everything to do with his being. He be who he is. He is a parish because he's a part of me. And this is what Jesus is saying in this mashal is that you are a part of me. When you are a branch connected to the vine, you are a part of me. Your identity is settled. It does not matter what you do. It does not matter the things that you produce in life. You are my son. You are my daughter. Ephesians 1 talks about this. Rattle off a few more. Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 2 Timothy 1, 1 Peter 1. It's in the ones a lot. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Galatians 5, Colossians 3, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 2, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 Peter 5, Philippians 3. All talk. 15 different scriptural references as to who we are called to be. And none of them say banker. I can't be a son because I operate as a good pastor. See how that gets backwards? Because all of a sudden, my identity is not based on my father, my identity is based on my performance. And when my identity and your identity is based upon our performance, 
our identity will fail because our performance will fail. But when I am a branch, I rest in my connectedness. I rest and receive, not because of what I'm doing, but because of what I'm being in Christ. I'm a branch, period, full stop. Come on, say that today. Write it in the comments today. Shout your own self down. I am a branch. Yet for so many of us, we think that we are so many other things. So we strive and drive and push and excel and accumulate and produce, and we fall asleep every night with the same dissatisfaction and angst that we had when we got up. Why? Because we're trying to bear a fruit that only comes through connection. When was the last time you walked through an apple orchard and heard them grunting? Now I know, for some of you right now, you're like, that's not possible. An apple doesn't grunt. That's the point. And neither does the tree, and neither does anything else. Why? Because the fruit that is produced is a natural product of the connectedness of that tree. Now I'm using a gross analogy just to help us understand a point. I need to be a branch connected to the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Why? Because you can do nothing without me. Third thing is this, and the last thing is this, is that connection commissions the start for change. <clears throat> connection commissions the start for change. It's like that gun that goes off at the beginning of a track meet, and change is one of the racers. Bat! And then it starts running. And that's where connection takes place. That's where all of this starts to happen. The change that we desire, the change that we need, the correction that needs to happen. When I connect to Jesus, that little gun goes off and change starts running. Why? Because change is an inside job. And when we connect to Jesus, true and lasting change can begin. And this is where it starts, connection. And some of us are working so hard to change through our own ability, through our own strength, through our own willpower, through our own ingenuity, through our own ideas and thoughts and philosophies and going back to what Paul said, they are empty and hollow and shallow because at the end of the day, if I'm truly going to be corrected, if I'm truly going to change, if I'm going to have an identity that is solid and founded upon Christ and Christ alone, it's because I decide right now in this moment, I'm a branch. I'm a branch. I remember when I first started playing the guitar. I had a dream in my head of being a rock star. I had a dream in my head having my foot on a, on a wedge at the front of a stage, just rocking out, people shouting, affirming me, and telling
showing me who I was through a gift. Oh, I played the part. I did the drugs. Yeah. Drank all the alcohol. I did all the running around. Stayed up as late as I could to get one more hit of affirmation. Because that's the truth. I wasn't looking for another hit of that or another drink of that or another relationship or another this or another that. What was I looking for? I was looking for another hit of somebody to tell me that you were worth something, Jason. And so I got on the stages and I played and I tried to make bands work and I tried to produce music and I tried to go to a college where I could become a recording studio artist and I tried to do all of these things but man when God got a hold of me mainly through my mom shout out to my mama she's watching right now and I remember as I got accepted to this art institute to go into studio engineering she looked at me and she said Jason I will not pay for that and I had some sense about me which was this I didn't want school debt so (laughs) I said, what, what, what will you pay for? She says, I'll pay for you to go to Bible college. Come on, shout out to the sneaky moms out there who know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> so I got on an airplane, flew to Australia. And I'll never forget sitting in the back of the room with all these people around, worshiping and getting ready for what was gonna be an exciting year of Bible college, and I'm like, what am I doing here? And I'll never forget that moment in the back of the room, on my knees, weeping. As all of this stuff came out of me, come on, how many of you know the cries that you do, that it's not tears coming out, it's shame. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know those, those tears that it, it's, it's guilt coming out? It's not tears, it's, it's shame and it's guilt and it's frustration and it's the residue of, of ideologies that you didn't want but you adopted any, anyway. It's the residue of the people that you hurt with the decisions that you have made. It's the residue of everything that had been said over your life. It was the residue of fear and insecurity. It was the residue of albums that I allowed to define my mind and positions that I wanted to take because I needed to be something. That was the tears that were coming out of me in that moment. They were not tears. It was restoration. It was God's good work that was moving in me and and making me new and building me in that moment. And I walked away deciding in that moment I did not care what would come next, but I was a branch. I was a branch. And if that was all I was going to be for the rest of my life, I would be okay with it. Some of you are crying those tears right now. Some of you are wailing right now in moments like this. And can I tell you that he loves you and that he's for you. 
And he's just simply saying, connect to me. And when you do, all the nutrients you'll receive, all the peace that you will receive, stop trying to do it on your own and just be a branch and let me be Jesus. Jesus.